Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. February 29th, Leap Day, happens every four years, and it's turned cold outside, in case you've not been out, especially compared to where it was yesterday. It was a little bit late coming in, the cold front, actually. So for today, you can look at highs eventually around 3, 4 o'clock this afternoon, going about 61 degrees. Then tomorrow warms up. Highs of 68 tomorrow, lingering chance for showers, 80% into the early part of the day. And now they're saying, actually, maybe lingering till about noon, and... Saturday and Sunday, highs of 72, 76, 30% chance for showers each day. So all in all, kind of spring-like. Dane Cialino joins us now, professor of law at Loyola, or as he's otherwise known, co-host of <coughs> Dane and Tommy in the Morning. How you doing, Dane? <laughs> morning, Tommy. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. We, we appreciate you. We really do, because you're always there to sort out any legal questions that we have. And, and I mean that sincerely. You do make yourself available, and we appreciate that. Let's well, talk, glad to do it. Let's talk about what happened with um, uh, the federal judge in the city, short-term rental laws, and it's a little bit complicated about what happened, and we'll talk about the bottom-line effects of it. Yeah, this is a years-long saga that's been uh, in federal court uh, in New Orleans. It's gone to the appellate court. And then uh, this week uh, on Tuesday, Judge Lamel, a district judge, ruled that the city's most recent STR regulations uh, are by and large constitutional. Uh, you may remember that the Fifth Circuit uh, some year and a half ago or so ruled that the city was unlawfully and unconstitutionally discriminating against out-of-state owners um, and, uh, and overturned a number of these regulations. But the city went back to work, and in March of last year, they passed new regulations that were uh, more uh, geography neutral, and uh, and those are the uh, the regulations that that Judge Lamel largely upheld on on Tuesday. Uh, now, under the new regulations, the operator of the unit has to be on premises, uh, purportedly to address concerns of uh, of, of renters, but um, but the owner can be can be out of town. Uh, it's kind of a workaround that really doesn't change much from the standpoint of the uh, of the ownership. You've got to be on site, but uh, but now these regulations are are in place, constitutional, uh, and uh, the city can start enforcing them. I wanted to ask you about that constitutional part of this because what is at issue here? Correct me if I'm wrong, Professor. Is that whether or not the city has a right to tell people what to do with their property, right, or the municipality? 
That's right. Under uh, under the kind of general police power of the state and and a, and a subdivision of the state, can, to what extent can they limit property owners' right to use their property? And and there's broad discretion to do that uh, by by regulators and legislatures, uh, unless they do it in a way that's unconstitutional by violating the privileges and immunities clause of the constitution or the equal protection clause of the constitution. And that's what I was wondering. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but it it is what led it to be taken to court. What part of it was non-constitutional about living out of town and all that, or or being an out of town property owner? Yeah. And I mean, we, we live in one nation and we can't have uh, states, individual states and, and individual municipalities discriminating against people from, from other states. Uh, that that's not the the, the notion of the, the the unified federal government that we uh, that the founders created. So, under the privileges and immunities clause and equal protection clause, there can't be uh, those uh, kind of unreasonable, uh, arbitrary distinctions between residents and non-residents of of states. So, if it's a state law or a regulation, it has to apply, or a municipal regulation, it has to apply to everybody equally, whether they're from there or not. By and large, yes, and that was the problem with the with the the city's initial efforts to regulate these STRs. Uh, now, of course, after that decision, after those initial rules were overturned, uh, we the city entered a kind of a wild, wild west stage where the city was simply not enforcing any of these these STR rules. And by some accounts, uh, there were six times as many listings for STRs as there were permits. And uh, that, that, I think that's the case today. Uh, but in the wake of this ruling this week, the city has made it very clear that it's going to go after all of these unlicensed operators and, uh, and, restore some, uh, and restore some sanity to the whole process. So while there was no regulation, while this was being litigated, now they're going to go back and, and fix whatever happened during that time? Well, uh, I think that the starting point, the low-hanging fruit for the for the Department of Permits, uh, is to go after the regulators with no licenses whatsoever, um, and th- that's I think going to be the first enforcement effort, probably starting uh, starting within the next week. But um, but there, of course, are other issues about issuing new permits. There are going to be lotteries for permits and. Uh, it's there's still going to be some confusion, and, and particularly since Judge Lamell's decision is going to be appealed yet again to the United States Fifth Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit has uh, has shown no reluctance whatsoever to carefully review his opinions, and and we could uh, don't be surprised if there's still some uh, additional litigation to go. So the the opposing side said that Judge Lamell's ruling misinterpreted the previous Fifth Circuit decision that it contradicts a U.S. Supreme Court mandate that cities may not eliminate from the market popular products that are disfavored by a vocal minority. We're going to take a break. we come back, we'll pick it up with what the Supreme Court SCOTUS has ruled on this already or if they ventured into this. Other comparisons have been made to Uber, et cetera. I didn't quite get that. You can walk us all through it when we come back. Dane Celino, a good friend, professor of law at Loyola. He makes complicated legal things seem simple, which is probably why he's a professor of law at Loyola. 620 Traffic Now, WWL.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 624 and a half, Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to Dane Cialino, professor of law at Loyola, about the ruling yesterday, U.S. District Judge Ivan Lamel, uh, as it relates to short-term rentals in the city and um, what the city can do. And I mentioned the Supreme Court earlier because the opposition to the city said something about the Supreme Court and uh, cities can't eliminate from the market popular products that are disfavored by a vocal minority. Um Tell me what the Supreme Court has said about this type of thing already, Dane. Yeah, I mean, the Supreme Court hasn't taken on an STR, a short-term rental, vacation rental type case. I mean, although these cases have been filed in virtually every state in the country, uh, arguing constitutional violations from alleged Fourth Amendment violations to equal protection, to due process, to privileges and immunities, to Fifth Amendment takings, I mean, People, uh, lawyers and, and property owners have been very creative in some of these lawsuits, but the Supreme Court has never uh, never taken a, you know, straight on a uh, an STR-type case. But the Supreme Court generally allows municipalities and states to regulate the use of property as long as it doesn't essentially amount to a taking of the property. If they, if they take the property either physically or through some onerous uh, zoning regulation, then the there's got to be compensation paid, and and people have made those arguments in these STR cases and lost them consistently. Uh, I just don't don't see the, the those sorts of arguments working in this case. I mean, the only thing that 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 may work is the continuing effort to exclude from the STR market out of state um, now operators instead of owners. Uh, so that there's still a possibility that the Fifth Circuit could reverse this because of those. Uh, those locality requirements for operators, but by and large, that's about all they've got. I think under the under the federal constitution. And where does the homestead exemption fit in all of this? Is that part of it anymore, or is it just about? Well, that it, it yeah, it was, and and that required the the owner of the property to live on the property. Now the the operator of the property must be present, and it's a slight difference, uh, but one that Judge Lamel found important. And what about this difference with inheritance trusts and people that, I guess, um, inherit property? The, is that rental property from parents who owned it? And is that considered personal property then or a corporate thing? That still has to be determined? Yeah. Uh, Judge Lamel did strike down the portion of the ordinance that required uh, personal uh, individuals to own to, to own and operate the property. Uh, he, he said that if somebody has 
uh, possession of the property as a usufructuary. For example, if you die, your your wife um, or or husband would be able to continue to operate the property, even though the property is owned by heirs or children. Uh, and also similarly for trust. I mean, hi- highly technical. I don't know how widespread those uh, situations are, but but he did he did strike down those portions of the ordinance. If you think you want to go to law school and deal with the state, just look up usufruct and, and tell me from there what you want to do. I'm telling that to the audience, Nate. Real quick, I, we didn't invite you on for this, but the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case about President, former President Trump and immunity. How rare is this? How, how history-making is this? Well, very much so. I mean, they, they are going to hear arguments in April on that case. And typically, the Supreme Court uh, takes very, very few cases and then puts them on a slow train to resolution. Uh, this case is uh, is going to be argued in, in, a, in, in several weeks. It's going to be briefed in fewer weeks than that. And an opinion is going to come out uh, probably by the end of June. So it's a very fast-moving train, and, and President Trump always – uh, manages to create interesting and novel legal issues for courts to consider. So to be clear, and that's what I was going to ask you, the legal issue that the Supreme Court will look into is and decide whether or not fill in the blank. He is immune from prosecution for uh, for what happened on January 6th as a result of him being president at the time. That's what his defense is that because he was president at the time, regardless of what he did, he's immune from it because in his duties as president, he can't be held criminally liable? Yeah, slightly narrower than that. He's saying that some of what he did in, on January 6th was in his official capacity as president, and he can't be sued for that today. That's that's the, the immunity argument in a nutshell. All right, but it's a criminal, not a civil thing, right? Exactly. All right. Thank you, Dane. Appreciate your time. Dane Cialino, professor of law at Loyola. We come back. It's Thursday morning. We're going to talk to Mike Strain, Commission of Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. It's getting to be spring. We'll talk about the crawfish crop or lack thereof. And if you all have any questions or comments, now's the time to text them in about your spring planning or whatever issue, because Mike Strain will be glad to help you. I also got a question about beekeeping that somebody emailed me a while back, and I've been meaning to get to it, and I'll try to get to it today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.